Welcome to From the View Box with Hal and Chris. This is the podcast of the UMass Medical School Department of Radiology. My name is Hal Lowe from the Division of Emergency Radiology. And I am Christopher Cernelia from Musculoskeletal Imaging. Welcome to the podcast. Today, we turn the tables again. Uh, I am joined today by my guest, who is also my co-host, Dr. Christopher Cernelia, who is here to discuss uh, with us uh, the topic of gadolinium-based contrast agents. This is, of course, an important topic as we continuously use the MRI imaging modality uh, more and more as a problem solving, but also as a screening modality. Uh, Welcome back to the podcast, Chris. Thanks for joining me. Yeah, Hal, it's uh, really great to be back. Um, Just the two of us kind of sitting down and chatting about some safety issues that we all encounter um, as radiologists. Today, we're going to extend our discussion on MRI safety uh, to go into our gadolinium-based uh, contrast agents or gadolinium-based contrast media, however you want to describe it. Um, I do want to just, before I even get in, just reference back to our previous episodes. I believe it's episodes 9 and 11 for those who haven't listened yet. Um, those go over some of the basics of MRI safety. So you know, have a listen to those. Um, yeah, and I'm really looking forward to getting into some of the uh, safety issues with uh, gadolinium. To start off, Chris, can you give me a brief overview of gadolinium and how it is used as a contrast agent? Sure, how? Um, Gadolinium. So let's talk about um, gadolinium-based contrast media or gadolinium-based contrast agents. So I think for the purposes of this podcast, I've got to kind of group that into just saying gadolinium. But but please be aware, um, you know, when you're reviewing literature or we're having discussions, you'll see, um, you know, abbreviation GBCM referring to gadolinium-based contrast media. Uh, it's also known as gadolinium-based contrast agents or GBCA. So um, that terminology is kind of used interchangeably. I'm just going to use the, the generic term GAD or gadolinium, um, you know, understanding um, the, you know, the proper terminology there. Yeah, so gadolinium has been around for approximately 30 years, you know, since its uh, introduction back in the late 80s. And it's generally considered to be a, a relatively safe uh, contrast agent. Um, it's estimated to be used in approximately, I would say, probably a quarter to a third of MRI examinations. And it's also interesting to note uh, for, you know, particularly for the residents who don't have as much exposure to monitoring contrast or, or answering questions about them, that uh, gadolinium-based contrast agents are generally associated with a lower rate of adverse reactions you know, when compared with iodinated contrast. You know, certainly there are safety issues that we you know, need to address with, with gadolinium, and I think we're going to talk about that later in this um, podcast. But the overall you know, reaction rate that you'll see when you're monitoring gadolinium is going to be you know, significantly lower than that for iodinated contrast in uh, CT exams. Thank you for that uh, general overview of gadolinium um, as a contrast agent. Um, what about uh, different types of gadolinium contrast agent? Uh, can you uh, describe for us the different types? Yeah, Hal, that's really a great question. I think uh, before we can get into any of the specifics about gadolinium, I think there's <clears throat> a need for an understanding of the classifications of GAD. Uh, most of the contrast agents that we use for MRI studies um, are ones that are chemically bonded to uh, an agent or moiety called a chelate. And so these gadolinium uh, agents are 
um, essentially classified in kind of two main categories. So one of them is based off of the structure. So we can think about um, agents that are either linear or macrocyclic. Um, and then the, the second kind of main category is its ionis, ionicity. Um, it's a tough, tough word to say. Um, but essentially what it means is it, it, a charged particle. So is it is it charged or, or, or not? And so those are kind of the two main categories when you're you know, looking at, uh, reading, or evaluating uh, contrast agents in literature, or you're thinking about um, utility, um, you can kind of place them in these two uh, broad categories as far as um, how these various agents um, are are created, and we'll see how that can really affect uh, potentially um, their reactions uh, in the human body. But I think before we get into you know the specific agents or even uh, the two categories, I just want to pause and just give a a quick review of gadolinium so we understand you know, why we do what we do and how it affects um, the characterization of our, our different um, agents. And so uh, recall gadolinium is a chemical element, right? It's a ductile rare earth metal. Um, and when we use it in clinical practice, essentially um, gadolinium is oxidized uh, in a plus three state. Um, as a free ion, gadolinium is you know, toxic to the human body. And so what we need to do is kind of bind it uh, to some, you know, some other uh, components. So uh, these linear or macrocyclic, macrocyclic uh, carriers um, can be chelated to uh, the metal ion. And so um, gadolinium itself um, is actually kind of cool. It has it has a, a ferromagnetic properties below a certain temperature. I forget the exact uh, temperature. It's like 70 degrees or somewhere in that, um, you know, some of that level. And above um, that temperature is predominantly paramagnetic, and that would be, you know, at the level of, uh, you know, the human body. And so what we do is we take this, um, you know, paramagnetic metal ion and we chelate it uh, to either a linear or macrocyclic uh, carrier uh, ligand. And so, you know, we have this metal ion that uh, is paramagnetic, so it can uh, serve to reduce T1 relaxation times and, and, and in essence, facilitate visualization of structures by that, by that uh, paramagnetic property. But we have to, um, you know, either use a linear or a macrocyclic you know, carrier ligand to chelate that ion. Otherwise, you know, free ions... Uh, can be you know detrimental or toxic to the body. So that's kind of the you know the working narrative. You know you have again the paramagnetic metal ion, which serves as kind of the enhancement, right? It's reducing T1 relaxation times, um, but the free ions are toxic. So what we need to do is um, you know chelate it to some ligand, and we have either a linear or maxocyclic uh, type. And so that's kind of like the background of um, how we utilize you know gadolinium. Uh, in clinical practice. Fantastic. Uh, that is a great uh, in detailed review of uh, gadolinium and its uh, physical and chemical and magnetic properties, um, as, as well as, as sort of how we would use it in, 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 uh, as a, uh, in clinical practice as a contrast agent. Uh, now, stepping forward, uh, what about uh, um, adverse reactions? Um, what are uh, some of the acute adverse reactions that one uh, might encounter when um, administering gadolinium-based gadolinium contrast agents? 
Yeah, absolutely. How, you know, like any medication, you know, contrast is no different. You know, when we're giving that to our uh, patient, there's always a chance for a uh, adverse reaction. Um, and obviously a subset of that could be your acute adverse reactions. And I guess before I get into, um, in, into that, you know, just, uh, Ask the listeners if they haven't already. You know, take a take a listen to um, episodes five and six, where you actually had done a nice job, I think, detailing contrast and acute adverse uh, reactions and in, in the management. So I would just kind of reference that. So I won't go into to the detail there, but I'll just highlight some that are specific, uh, specifically related to uh, gadolinium and, and some of the specifics related to gadolinium uh, here. So. I think the first thing to note is acute, acute adverse reactions in gadolinium-based contrast uh, agents um, occur probably in the order of like three to four times less frequent than acute uh, adverse reactions in iodinated uh, contrast uh, media. You know, these are, you know, similar in general uh, to physiologic and allergic-like reactions uh, that you would see with injection of iodinated contrast agents. So it's no different with these contrast, uh, sorry, um, gadolinium-based uh, contrast media or contrast agents uh, either. Um, you know, for this reason, we treat contrast reactions to gadolinium no different than we would treat uh, the reactions that you may experience from iodinated contrast uh, media um, that you're using with uh, CT. Now, clearly, the majority of the gadolinium uh, contrast reactions are mild and non-allergic-like or you know, otherwise you know, considered physiologic. And uh, a good example of these, I think, that we see commonly are um, you can have a flushing or warm sensation or pain at the injection site. Patients may f- experience nausea uh, with or without vomiting. Uh, they may have uh, pressure or headache uh, sensation. Again, most uh, patients will not encounter any uh, adverse reaction, but these are just some of the common you know, mild uh, physiological non-allergic type uh, reactions that, that you may encounter uh, in a patient who has had a recent uh, gadolinium injection. Now, um, the most frequent allergic-like symptoms would include rash, um, you know, hive or hives, and urticaria. Um, however, respiratory and cardiovascular reactions, uh, decompensations can occur but are exceedingly rare, um, again, relative to uh, iodinated contrast uh, severe uh, allergic type reactions. So uh, just something to be aware of. And again, how we treat those and manage those uh, we discussed or you discussed, well, I think how uh, in episodes five and six. So I won't go into those here. Great. Uh, Now, one more step deeper into the topic of adverse reactions. who uh, is at risk for a, a, an adverse, acute adverse reaction uh, after um, gadolinium administration, and how do we uh, manage such a reaction? Yeah, of course. How? Um, so there really are like two um, two types of uh, considerations um, that we would have. The first is. Uh, patients that are at highest risk for adverse reactions to gadolinium are really those who have had a previous reaction to the agent. And so this is why it's very important for us to properly screen patients, not only for the magnet, as we discussed in our previous uh, MR safety uh, episodes, but also for um, you know the ability uh, to provide gadolinium. So we will ask um, about you know a patient's uh, previous experience or reaction to gadolinium. That's really important. That really provides the highest um, risk uh, stratification for you know future um, reaction. So uh, in addition to obviously the patient's uh, previous exposure risk, 
We can look at lesser risks, and these really include um, asthma as well as other um, allergies. Um, and, and something to really note is um, the whole idea of a previous reaction to um, CT contrast or iodinated contrast. This really falls into um, our you know other allergies. So it's it your patient is at no increased risk for an allergic-like reaction more than they would with any other type of, of allergy. Uh, so it's still kind of lumped in with you know asthma and other allergies when we're kind of considering risk factors for a patient who's going to be uh, given gadolinium, gadolinium contrast. And so that gets into, um, you know, what do we do? What is our management? And so um, there are some uh, preventative measures that could be performed. You know, the first thing that we typically do or most institutions or radiologists will do uh, when encountering someone who has had a previous, um, you know, uh, mild reaction is to use uh, a different uh, gadolinium compound um, on a future uh, injection. Now, it should be noted um, that I believe it is uh, multi-hands or uh, ganabinate uh, dimeglumine. Um, I think it specifically says in their uh, insert that it is not to be used in any patient who has had a prior allergic-like contrast reaction uh, to any type of, of gadolinium. So that just should be should be noted. Um, otherwise, we'll, we'll, we'll oftentimes uh, try a different agent um, for you know uh, these patients. Additionally, um, you know premedication can be performed as we would with premedication uh, with our. Um, iodinated contrast or CT contrast agents, you know, the typical uh, corticosteroids and antihistamine um, could be performed uh, before the injection. <clears throat> really, the effectiveness uh, of this premedication hasn't really been, you know, determined, but many, many will perform this. Um, and oftentimes these will be done um, in, a, in a properly screened uh, environment if there's any uh, concern for, you know, a significant reaction. Excellent. Um, that is, that's a great uh discussion of um, who we should be, who and how we should be screening patients uh, for adverse reaction, uh, and as well as um, how to uh, manage any patients to, who unfortunately uh, may uh, experience an adverse reaction to gadolinium. Now, you mentioned earlier about different types of uh, gadolinium-based contrast agents and contrast media. Um, can you give us some more specifics and some more examples of the different uh, types? Sure. Um, so like I said earlier, um, we can really divide uh, these agents into two broad categories, um, one related to it being ionic or not, and the other related to its structure, either being linear or macrocyclic. And so um, I think the, the easiest way is to think about um, those that are linear and not, so talk about structure first. So there are, there are three um, macrocyclic uh, agents. Uh, those are getoteridol, getobutrol, and uh, getoterate, uh, which go by the trade names uh, Prohance, uh, Gadavist, and um, uh, Dodoram. And so those are all are macrocyclic, uh, macrocyclic um, agents. Um, each of those, uh, both Prohance and Gadavist, are getoterate. Teridol and uh, getabutrol are both uh, non-ionic, whereas the dodoram or getoterate is um, an ionic agent. So, um, so those are the you know cyclic or should I say macrocyclic uh, agents. And then the remainder of them are all linear. And so when you think about the linear agents, um, you know some of the agents that are uh, commonly uh, have been commonly used, uh, we can think about gadopentatate, uh, dimeglumine, or uh, magnavist. Uh, as well as um, 
Ghetto Benate or Multihance. Um, I think those are uh, two of your ionic linear agents. And uh, Ghetto Diamide, which is uh, OmniScan, which is one of your non-ionic uh, linear agents. And there's a list uh, I think I'll include in the show notes uh, for this um, episode that will outline the agents, um, the ionicity, and, and the structure for, for each, which I think is, is helpful. And so it, it just taking, um, let's take the structure first as an example. Um, we can look at uh, Gataterodol or Prohance, uh, Gatabutrol or uh, Gatavisc, and um, Gataterate or Dodoram. Each of these are considered macrocyclic uh, agents. Um, of those, uh, only Dodoram is ionic, so the other two, both Prohance and Gatavisc, are both non-ionic. Um, so when looking at macrocyclic, these agents are at lower risk for NSF or nephro- uh, nephrogenic uh, systemic fibrosis. These are thought to be, um, you know, more stable agents. You know, there's a, a uh, there's a general idea. You know, we again talked about earlier um, how you know, a free free ion of gadolinium is uh, toxic to the body. You know, the the strength of uh, the ligand to the gadolinium ion, um, you know, is an indication of you know a, an ability for that agent to. Um, to uh, be maintained um, throughout kind of the circulation and therefore can be excreted by the kidney. And so a weaker bond, um, it becomes more unstable and you have a more likelihood of, of free uh, uh, gadolinium ions and, and thus, you know, um, you know, theoretically, you know, more toxicity. Um, so in addition to the, you know, the, the you know, structure which we just talked about with these macrocyclics, the other, the other uh, main category is the ionicity or the uh, charge and so we can look at, um, you know, uh, um, agents like Magnavist or Multihance, which have, um, you know, which are uh, ionic agents. And um, when we consider something that is ionic or non-ionic, a non-ionic will not, you know, significantly increase uh, the osmolality of uh, blood, uh, blood plasma. You know, non-ionic uh, agents are near isotonic uh, solutions, and uh, they tend to produce less severe uh, reactions than than ionic agents. And so, those are just uh, just a few uh, general considerations, uh, you know, for the various types of agents and their categories. Well, I think uh, that is all the time we have today. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Chris. Uh, do you have any other uh, comments uh, for our listeners today? Uh, no, I think uh, I think we got a nice uh, intro. Uh, certainly, we have more to to talk about with gadolinium. Uh, I think next time uh, in part two, uh, we'll talk about some specific conditions, uh, including pregnancy, um, breastfeeding. We'll also go into some of the non-acute um, reactions that we can observe, including NSF and gadolinium deposition. So, yeah, uh, looking forward to having that conversation with you for um, our next episode. And that concludes today's episode. Thank you for listening and supporting From the Viewbox. We've attached additional reading materials to the episode notes as provided by our guest. And please visit us at www.umassmed.edu backslash radiology. Thank you to our colleagues Charlene Barron, Tom Delaney, and Dan Ramsaran for their technical assistance. See you next time.